Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor. Because a healthy body is a sexy body. Hi there, everybody. Welcome to Modern Love. We are so delighted to have you with us this evening, or whether you're listening later via the magic of technology. This is Dr. Brenda, your Modern Love doctor, and we're going to talk tonight about the critical questions. In fact, 365 critical questions you need to ask each other before you marry. And we have a great guest tonight, Andrea Reynolds, who is an, an, let me see if I can get this right. Andrea, you were a journalist, and you just have to tell us how you got the idea to go from being an investigative journalist, a former family studies teacher, a talk radio host, and come up with a book, 365 Critical Questions. Now, everyone, you know that you can join the conversation all you have to do is call 347-989-0776, and Cliff Dunning, who is our associate producer, is standing by to help you join the conversation or hit us back on Facebook, Twitter, Dr. Brenda Wade. Those are the handles. All right, Andrea, hi there. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, it's a pleasure. I want you to know this is my very first appearance on Blog Talk Radio. Oh, wonderful. So you are a blog talk virgin. We are happy to have you initiated here with us, and we'll be gentle because there's well, so you. much to talk about. Now, first, tell us a little about you and how you got the idea to do 365 critical questions. Well, I like to do a lot of things, and when my stepmother was ill, dying of cancer, she said, I wish that I had done so many things differently. She said, if there's anything that you want to do in your life, just go do it. So that's basically what I did. And when I had finished four years of university, I stayed on. Um, I had finished my family studies degree. And then I stayed on and did a marketing degree because that fascinated me too. So I kind of switched back and forth between things that really mean a lot to me. And one day I was watching television. I think this must have been in the early 90s, maybe 90, 1992. I was watching Phil Donahue, and someone in the audience stood up and said, you know, there's just no book that will tell you questions you need to ask people 
that you're thinking about marrying? And I thought, bingo, there's the book I, sh- I need to write. So within eight hours, I had 100 questions, and uh, a few months later, I had all 365. Now, how did and you the- bet the questions? How did you decide which questions are the critical questions that must be asked before you get married? Well, being a very logical person and being a journalist, um, I do have a a membership in the National Writers Association. Um, I I got logical and I said, okay, what are the kinds of questions? And I came up with 19 different categories, starting from, um, you know, the wedding itself to all the way to death, um, because that's how things happen in life. So um, once I had the categories, then I started asking the questions. And because I had been married and divorced, I thought about all the questions that I would have asked had I been smart enough at the time to Ooh, ask Maybe the right I should questions. have had this book before I got married and divorced. <laughs> all right. Excellent. So, so you and what thought, I, what is it I wish I'd known before you got mm-hmm. married, right? Yeah. Yeah, and and I had already taught um, junior high school and senior high school uh, home economics. We called it creative living, and I had taught courses like dating and some of these other you know related to um, relationships. And I thought about all the the kids that I had taught and what I wanted them to be able to know when they were choosing a partner. And I made sure that all the questions were open-ended and could not be answered by yes or no. Okay, so what is the first question you would have asked your former spouse had Mm. you known to ask it? Why did you get a divorce from your first wife? Oh, okay. And what would you have learned had you asked him that question? Well, um... I never did get an answer, but my suspicion was that he might have been gay. Mm-hmm. And um, he didn't seem to like being in the bedroom that much, if you get my drift. I certainly get your drift, Andrea. Yes, I get your and, drift. And he would take business trips for a week at a time, and I wouldn't hear from him the whole time. Ooh, not good. But he would send good. me postcards. And I knew that he was with all of his engineer friends, all men mostly, mm-hmm. and he had a bunch of buddies, and uh, I never knew where he was or what he was doing with whom. Red flag, so, red flag, red flag. Okay. Oh, yeah. Breaking communication. So we, Let's just flag that, everybody. Breaking communication when you're in a committed mm-hmm. relationship is a big, giant no-no. Absolutely. All right, got a red flag on that play. Well, the fact that he would not answer questions that I asked him, that should have been a big red flag, too. But he was an awful lot like my own father, who didn't answer questions, wouldn't answer questions about money, wouldn't talk about his own life, wouldn't talk about his, I'm talking about my father now, wouldn't talk about what he did in World War II, kept it all secret. Mm. And I thought that was normal. And so I accepted that from the man that I I married. So everybody, let's just frame the picture. You all know that that child brain is a little recording device. Whatever it is we can see here, touch, taste, and smell when we're little, we're going to grow up, and that's our template. 
I certainly did it myself the moment I met my first husband, my children's father. Met him at a bar. He stood up, and I went, oh, my God, that's the man I'm going to marry. Now, it didn't occur to me that the horn-rimmed glasses and the herringbone tweed sport jacket were identical to the ones my dad used to wear. Uh And he was tall and handsome, just like Daddy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of women do marry uh, a replica of their dads. Right. Now, how do the questions help us? And would you, and I just have to ask, Andrea, if you could have gotten your former spouse to answer any of the questions, do you think that would have changed the outcome? Oh, I wouldn't have married him. Really? Okay. Really, yeah, All right. absolutely. Okay, everybody, now let's get into some of these questions. Here we have a lovely couple. I write for a magazine called Bridal Fantasy Magazine. They have lots of beautiful young couples, same-gender couples, heterosexual couples, getting ready to get married, and... What's the very first thing they need to ask? Probably something like how important is the wedding um, versus the marriage. In other words, a lot of people put a lot of effort into creating that party followed by uh, the ceremony followed by the party, give very little attention to their 20, 30, 40, 50 years beyond. And I... I think that's probably the most important question is how important is this ceremony, how important is the party compared to um, our life together. Yeah, I'm with you there because I know most people know more about driving cars than they do about the rules of the marriage and how mm-hmm. to conduct themselves over that long period of time and keep it keep it strong and beautiful. Mm. So, Andrea, okay, how important is the marriage versus the wedding, and what would be the right answer? Well, it's not, it's not that I have the right answer for anybody. It's the right answer for the two people involved. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so don't let somebody else influence your decision or your choices. This should be between just the two of you. All right, so those who would like to ask questions of your very own, call us old school, 347-989-0776, or hit us back on Facebook or on Twitter at Dr. Brenda Wade. We would love to hear from you, whether you're getting ready to get married or not. Okay, so let's talk about sex. What kinds of questions do you need to ask about sex, because we know that the three areas people fight the most about lead divorce are always money, sex, and power. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the first question is how soon will we start having sex before marriage, or will we wait until after the ceremony? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people that want to stay um, pure before they get married. Some don't. Um, I think it all depends on what the two people have decided for the, for themselves. Yeah, and pure is such a loaded word, so beware, everybody. <laughs> beware, because there's a whole lot of of stuff wrapped around pure, impure. And if you decide to have sex yeah. before marriage, that does not make you impure. It makes you no. someone who decided to have sex before marriage. So well, I remember um, Priscilla Presley, who said that, she remained a virgin until she got married, but they did every everything else they could think of before they got married. 
<laughs> so, 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 you know, I'm sure they had a lot of fun. Um, if they did everything they could think of, they probably did. <laughs> they just didn't have the the, the intercourse that that right. we expect, you know, for the for the uh, making the the marriage. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Consummate the marriage. There you go. Thank you very yep. much. There you go. There's it's, an old word for you. Consummate. It's the end of the day for me, and my words aren't coming as quickly as they should. <laughs> Quite all right. So this is a topic that's so important because given that 51% of marriages end in divorce, which is a ridiculous number given Mm. just how devastating divorce is in terms of health, wealth, uh, performance, success, it costs America $65 billion a year, we really do need to think about preparing and in asking the questions, what are you hoping people will do? What are you hoping the outcome will be? Well, if they if they ask each other questions, and, and the reason I came up with 365 questions is if they ask each other two questions a day, that's six months, and that seems to be the optimum period of engagement. So I don't suggest you sit down and ask, you know, 30 questions at a time or the other person might start feeling that they're being interrogated. But um, I think the outcome should be uh, better communication, better understanding of each other, um, to find out whether or not their goals and their expectations match each other. And, you know, they're going to find that not everything is a great match. And I think it was Patty Stanger, the millionaire matchmaker, who said something like, if you can find somebody who matches you in 52%, you're doing good. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So what about money and finance? Because here's the other biggie. Sex is one question. Do we have sex before marriage or do we wait till after the ceremony? And what about money? Because that really seems to be the thing when I'm working with couples and seminars and retreats, et cetera, I really find there's more fighting about money than anything else. Yeah, I've heard that too. And it's interesting that most of the questions in my booklet are about money. Uh, It just seemed easier to come up with more questions about money than anything else. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it involves things like what major expenses do you expect in in the near future? You know, are you going to buy a lot of big toys or are we going to... Uh, buy a house first, you know, some of those kinds of things. Um, another question might be, what are all the assets and investments you have? My ex-husband would not tell me about how much money he made or uh, what uh, stocks he might own or any investments, nothing. Hmm. But you did ask the questions. I did, and I didn't get an answer. Okay, so you had a stonewaller there, which is a sign of things to come. Anybody who won't answer your questions, maybe that's one of the big diagnostic things that comes from asking the questions, is that if you won't answer the questions, it's definitely a sign you're not going to be able to talk much in the marriage either. Well, you mentioned the word power early on. And I think that might have been the um, the reason for it. At the time, I was somebody who um, probably was better known than he was. I was on national television quite a bit, uh, interviewed on the radio. Um, I'd written other books, and I lived in Toronto at that time. And even though it's a city of 5 million people, 
um, I had a pretty good profile. And I think he might have been a little intimidated by that and decided that he was going to somehow have some power of his own by controlling all the information in the marriage. Mm-hmm. Yep, there you go. So both things, money, sex, and power, he had all his bases covered in terms of control. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you also posed a question in your book. If we have to tighten up our budget, what expenses are you willing, or expenditures, are you willing to give up? I thought that was a great question. And yeah. what what are the kinds of answers? Have you heard any of the answers that couples had for these questions? Well, I know one couple gave up um, golf. Uh, the, the man gave up golf because he knew that that was an expensive thing that, you know, he had greens fees and um, club fees and all those kinds of things, country club fees. And he just felt that um, that was excluding his wife and didn't want to be spending a whole lot of money that they could be using for other things like buying a house or, you know, putting aside money for children, those kinds of things. Um, I'm reminded of a friend of mine who uh, mentioned on Facebook the other day that uh, he and his uh, girlfriend eloped, and and they were apologizing to everybody that they didn't have a wedding or a reception to invite everyone to because they decided that a down payment on a house was more important. And lots of people congratulated them and said, you know, that's fine. Have a party in a year or two when you can afford it. We'll all come. So those are the kinds of things you know, that you might want to sacrifice in one area so that you have something better that you can um, hang on to. Yeah, and, you know, you make me think of my aunt and uncle. My uncle was an avid fisherman with the boat and all the stuff that went with it. And my aunt went out fishing with him once and hated it, absolutely hated (laughs) it. And without saying anything to her, He sold his boat, all of his equipment, of course, gave up the dock, which in the Bay Area is a big deal to have your own, you know, little dock place because they're hard to come by, Mm -hmm. and came home and said, I'm not going to be fishing. I sold the boat, da-da-da, and she said, why did you do that? He said, why would I want to do something every weekend that you don't want to participate in? I married you because I want to be with you. So they found a new hobby together which was, believe it or not, growing orchids. Hmm. And it became his passion. So I'm just saying, you know, sometimes in these so-called sacrifices, what you're really doing is voting for something both people will enjoy, possibly even more. So the question can lead to a new solution. So do you have a favorite question Andre, when you are talking about your book, do you say, now this is the question that I love the most, that I think gets to the goodies? Well, if we're talking about money still, the question would be about debt. Because there are some people who will have a lot of debt, perhaps student loan debt or perhaps medical debt, that they're a little embarrassed about. And they might want to keep that secret. But I think if you're going to have a marriage, you have to be open about things and not hide things from each other. And I think it makes sense to talk about what debt um, you have and work together to eliminate it. I think debt is something that that really can kill a a relationship. 
um, yeah. because you're always worried about where's the money going to come from to pay for this when we can't afford, you know, the basic necessities. And and that's the real reason that fights about money lead to divorce more than anything else because it creates stress. And stressed mm-hmm. out people make bad dates and worse mates. It yeah. really doesn't work to be stressed out. So we have a question that just came in from one of the members of our audience. This is from Kenny. Kenny lives in San Mateo. Thanks, Kenny. Kenny wants to know, Kenny, you're not saying whether you're about to get married or not with this question, so I'm going to guess that you are. And Kenny says, actually, my sweetheart does have a lot of debt. What should I do? Ooh. Well, I think the two of you need to talk to each other and find out exactly what kind of debt it is, how much, what's the best way to pay it off. Um, I think getting rid of debt first is should be a priority, but that's my opinion. It may not be Kenny's or his sweetheart's. Um, but I think talking about it, if you think you might marry them, uh, then I think you know, getting that out in the open, as Susie Orman says, you know, stand in your truth. And it may be scary to say, you know, I have $100,000 worth of student loan debt. But once you say it, and the other person doesn't bat an eyelash, I think you're safe then. And then you can feel safe enough to, you know, figure out how you're going to deal with it. Yeah. And And, did I hear you say that the debt should be paid before you get married? No, not necessarily. Um, I think that the debt belongs to the individual who created the debt until you get married. And some people will say, once you get married, then the debt belongs to both of you. Um, I think that makes sense to talk to each other and see how you feel about that. You know, I can't inflict my opinions on people. Um, It has to be their decision. Yeah, and I will say, you know, speaking from my other hat here, because obviously modern love is what I work with, talk about all the time, I would say also talk about whose responsibility it is to pay it off. Because once you get married, if you're married in a state with community property, those debts do become yours. And you have to make agreements about that ahead of time. So there's no uh, going back. I will say that my first husband did throw in my face that I had student loan debts. I had a whopping $10,000 worth of debts when we got married, student loan Mm. debt. And the fact that I do have a doctorate also meant my earnings were much higher. But Mm -hmm. the fact that I had that money, that debt was something that was cause for grousing. So have all those agreements laid out ahead of time because we didn't talk about it ahead of time, and it it was a problem. Now we have another question. I'm a newlywed, and my husband doesn't want to reveal his finances. He says he will always take care of the bills. Why should I worry? That's from Sandy in San Francisco. Mm. That sounds like he wants to be the daddy and he wants her to be the daughter. Yep, sounds familiar to you, doesn't it? Sounds mm-hmm. like a little echo of what you described in your marriage. Mm-hmm. So, I, listen, Sandy, here's the deal. I think it's really important for the two of you. Now, I'm going to throw out a statistic that I talk a lot about. All of our listeners have heard me say it before. There are 50% fewer divorces if you will get qualified help. Take a yeah. class. Take a seminar. I have a free 
teleseminar every single month, send me a note at love at docway.com or just go register for it at drbrendaway.com. I have a free live one-day seminar every single month. This is my contribution to lowering the divorce rate, which is my passion. So if you're already engaged or already thinking about getting engaged, you're already married, it's not too late to say, how do we deal with this? So, Sandy, you've got some more questions like, what would it be like for you, dear, if I participated in the finances? What would change for you? Would you feel you're losing your role as a man? Would you feel I'm taking your power? Is that how your parents did it? Is that why you feel it's the right way to do it? A lot more questions. And, Sandy, you're going to have to, may I borrow your phrase, Andrea, stand in your truth. Mm -hmm. Because this will make you miserable if this isn't really what you want. Dr. Brenda, I am so delighted that you provide courses like that. So necessary. You know, we should have them. Honestly, I've, I've spent my whole career going, why don't we have that course in the eighth grade? The minute <laughs> there's that kind of awakening yeah. around attraction and sexuality, we need to start right there and not a class about, you know, basically – biology, genitals, and reproduction, but really, what is a relationship? How do you communicate? Because the science is in. We've got all these love labs around the U.S. pumping out information, and we need it in people's hands. So your book is a big contribution because questions are useful. Now, have you ever had a couple write to you, Andre, or talk to you and say, hey, one of your questions was the reason we didn't get married? I haven't heard that, but that's you know, a lot of people who buy the booklets don't necessarily tell me what has happened. Um, one of the things I say is don't share um, what the two of you reveal to each other because that should remain private. Now, I should say that a lot of um, psychologists and marriage counselors will buy uh, a couple dozen booklets and give them out to some of their clients and patients. Um, and and they can use them inside of uh, counseling sessions. And I'm a, I'm a great proponent of people going for some kind of pastoral counseling or marriage pre-marriage counseling before they get married, and even afterwards. Um, you know, I also say you can use these questions maybe a year after you've been married to just refresh um, your thinking about Absolutely. your relationship. I'm with you because the research is in. 50% fewer divorces if you hit a snag, get qualified help. 50% fewer divorces for premarital coaching. So let's add those stats together. The divorce rate should never be above 12.5%. So let's get busy, everybody. Mm. Now, one of the questions you have here that really struck me is when do you believe it's okay to cheat on your income tax, past or present, or on your expense accounts. Yeah. Well, you certainly, I'm sure you, you don't believe that I would in, suggest that anyone cheated. But I had to phrase the question in such a way that it allowed a person to answer if they did. Um, you know, I would want to know if someone cheats on their income tax. Yeah. Or, or cheats in a, 
a, a sales transaction, let's say. I would want to know that because that tells me something about their character. It certainly does. That's a good litmus test for integrity. How about this question? If I were in an accident and became paralyzed, how would that change your feelings for me or your behavior? That's uh, a challenging question. I'll tell you why I came up with that one. When I was 22 years old, I was studying at Oxford uh, University in England, and it was one of those rare sunny days where uh, um, my shadow, uh, I could see behind me there was a man about to approach me. And I had um, tripped on the stairs, and my neck was hurting. And he was coming up behind me. I could see his shadow, and he was going to try to get my neck back into place. And I ducked out of the way because I could see him behind me. And if I hadn't done that, I would have probably been paralyzed on the spot because I had actually fractured my neck. Oh, my God. And and later on, I found out that uh, in England at that time, if you were possibly paralyzed, often your parents made the decision not to feed you anymore to let you go. Oh, wow. And that's why I came up with the question. Um, They don't do that anymore, certainly. I mean, I have friends who are quadriplegics and paraplegics. But um, at that time, this was back in the early 70s, um, if I had had a broken neck and had, um, you know, lost the use of my limbs, I might not be alive. Whoa. So that's a a really important question. It is a very important question. So here's another one. If we have a big marital problem... Who will we look to for guidance and advice? Right. Will it be our parents? Will it be our friends, our siblings? Will it be um, the person who we find at church or a temple or synagogue? Uh, Who will it be? Who do we feel that we trust? Yeah, and, and you know what? I've got to come right down the middle on this one. You guys know me. Please don't go to your friends and family members unless they are qualified. Mm-hmm. When I say qualified, somebody who is an expert, an absolute expert at helping couples who are in distress. I've had yeah. so many couples come to my classes and workshops who said, God, you know, we went to marital counseling or we went to relationship uh, encounter or we went to engage, and we really didn't learn that much. We kind of talked some things over, but we didn't learn how to communicate. We didn't learn mm-hmm. how to resolve conflicts. We didn't learn that we had some triggers that we each brought to the relationship. And you know what? You can disarm those freaking triggers. You don't have to let them be active throughout your relationship. You can put it to rest. So mm-hmm. I, I'm very much a proponent, so I have to say it, get qualified help sometimes those well-meaning family members and friends give some of the worst advice because I have heard it, Andrea. Yeah. I absolutely and, heard it. And and I, too, when I used to be a, a guest expert on national television, I would often say, look, I don't have the academic qualifications of a psych- clinical psychologist or psychiatrist. You need to find someone who is, and I can refer you because I know what my limits are 
and I know what my uh, credibility is, even though I think I'm pretty smart, I don't have that qualification. Yeah, and even among the mental health professionals, my last comment about that is get somebody who is certified and a specialist in working with couples, not a therapist who sees couples, but a couples expert. Okay, we are talking to Andrea Reynolds Thank you to those who sent in your questions. We appreciate you. I can't believe how fast our time has flown by. Let me tell you that Andrea's website is www.crisisbrainstorm. That's C-R-I-S-I-S brainstorm.com. She's got lots to say. The book, you definitely want to check it out. Give it to anybody who's thinking about getting into a more serious commitment in their relationship. It's called No Surprises, 365 Critical Questions You Need to Ask Each Other Before You Marry, and How to Ask Them. It's a great resource for premarriage and marriage. Andrea Reynolds, thank you so much for being our expert on Before I Say I Do. It's a pleasure to have you. And coming up, everyone, You want to be with us on July 26th, excuse me, 28th. Our guest is going to be Sue Ann Baker, who wrote the book Behind the Shades, the true story of a female secret service agent. And then on August 4th, the comic, the very famous comic, Brian Copeland, the author of A Genuine Black Man, which was also the longest-running one-man show ever in the San Francisco Bay Area. You've seen him on Comedy Central, seen him everywhere, Brian Copeland. So stay with us. We are so grateful to have all of you. Big thank you to our producer, the brilliant LeGrand Green, and our wonderful associate producer, Cliff Dunning, to our sponsor, Rainbow Grocery here in the Bay Area, and to all of you, lots of love, many blessings. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.